Blog Talk Radio. I feel We got to get going running late this morning. Yes, I did. Good morning. Sister, you ready? I guess. Okay. <laughs> well, we better get going. We're almost five after. Everybody's dragging this morning. All right. Well, let's stand together. Let's take a red hymn book and let's turn to number one. Number one in the hymn book. Majesty 
ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Amen. You know, that's talking about a future time. Amen. We all gathered around the throne of God. Amen. Listen, we're going to all, that's what we're going to do. Amen. We're going to proclaim that He is Lord of all. Amen. We're going to, that royal diadem, that's the crown. Amen. That He's going to, that, that He wears. Amen. He is the King. He is the Lord. Hallelujah. And we're here to serve Him. We're here to worship Him this morning. We're here to give praise to what He's done for us. Amen. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm, I'm glad we all got up and made it. Amen. It's good to be here. Praise God. A prayer request this morning. Anybody got any we need to lift up? Yes. I've got a couple. Um, there's a girl, Ella, that I follow on Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, her and her one-year-old son, they have been together for like four years. They have COVID. Okay. And Ella is severely immune-compromised. And then pray for Kayla. She fell out of bed last night. Okay. Well, that ain't never no good, is it? <laughs> that floor is hard, isn't it? No, we wound up sleeping on the, out on the couch. And Uh-oh. She came in screaming. Yeah, that floor is hard, and it's unforgiving. It sure is. All right. Uh, pra- other prayer requests this morning. Yes, Scott. No kidding. That's the truth. Amen. Let's remember to lift them up in prayer. Um, I've got a couple I want to mention real quick this morning. My my friend Michael Huggins, who had the stroke that I've been praying for, they got him at Stillhouse Nursing and Rehabilitation in Paris. And uh, I've got a good friend who used to go to church with us over in Paris, and she works out there and and got her looking after him, and, and uh, he's encouraged. Went to visit him, went to see him. He's encouraged, and, and uh, he's he's coming along. He's coming along. The Lord's restoring some things, and I just want to give God glory for that. Uh, I've also got a, a, when we were ministering over in Bogota, uh, the only baptism I did over there, a man named Ronnie Goforth, and uh, Ronnie is in Nebraska, and he's going through all kind. Of, you know, he's just going through life's troubles. But he's up there in a in a strange part of the country, and and uh, the devil's working him over. And he's trying to he's trying to overcome he's trying to overcome his past that keep following him around. And uh, he's trying to he's trying to to grow as a Christian. He needs a lot of prayer. He really needs a lot of prayer. His name's Ronnie Goforth, and I, I'm on, I want him I want us to put him on a prayer list. I told him we'd be praying for him. Uh, he's got to make some decisions to walk with God and leave his past behind. He's, he's just a baby Christian. So I need to pray for him because he's up there by himself. So, But he's called me, he texts me, and he asks me questions. He's always wanting to know what I do, how do I handle this. So thank God he wants to He wants to grow. So please pray for him, lift him up in prayer. Any others? Yes. Yeah, we kind of got a hint this week that they may... Uh, 
Yeah. No, it will not be good for us at all. That's source of our insurance. So, absolutely. Right. Amen. Miss Charlotte. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Okay. He needs it. He really does. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> Uh, you got a, you got to announce what you were talking about the other night. Uh, this coming Saturday, I don't know if everybody knows yet, and all of a sudden, going to have a moral service. Yeah, moral service. Going to have a great service out there at Ashton Stroke Cemetery. It's going to be at eleven o'clock. Okay. Everybody's welcome to go. After that, we're coming here to have lunch at that spot. All right. Because the COVID virus is going around all, we don't expect anybody to be there. We don't expect anybody to bring food here because we got all the food covered, all the preparation out there in the back will be covered by me and my kids or whatever. So if nobody don't show up, won't be no hard people. But you're welcome to come. You got to protect yourself. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's invited. We're preparing for almost 100 people. So it's a very large crowd. And we're very, very proud. My wife, right. do have a large family now. Right. So we uh, got that us and got everybody to come. But yeah. We'll have three, three brisket smoke. There ain't going to be no feelings hurt if somebody don't want to be in that big of a crowd. Right. Right. Uh, brother and I have the new babies there and all that. Sure. <laughs> you stay home, Mama. You stay home, Mama. Well, let's rem- let's remember to pray for them. Yeah. Pray pray for pray for uh, comfort and and peace throughout that, and uh, God's grace just to just to rule the day. And pray pray for them that 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 everything goes just like it ought to, and that'll be Saturday. Okay, next Sunday. Next Sunday at eleven o'clock. Next Sunday. Uh, after service, we're going to have fellowship meal. We ain't really talked about how we're going to do all that, and Bonnie ain't even in here, so that needs to be. Oh, have to that ne- that ne- yeah, I know. We can't do it without the boss. So we'll have to, well, we may have to wait and talk about that a little bit tonight, but uh, if you want to talk about it, come back tonight. So that's a good incentive, amen. Um, but anyway, um, next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to have our baby dedication service for Savannah. And I'm going to ask you a special prayer request. A lot of our family's coming. My, my, my sons, my granddaughter, my granddaughter, my grandson will be here. Both of them have been born again, but they've not yet been baptized. And I won't see my grandchildren baptized. I'd love to baptize them Sunday. Pray that I can talk to my, my kids and that they, I mean, they're not against them being baptized. It's just a matter of logistics. And so let's just pray that it all works out. All right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so we're going to have about 20 extra people here. Yeah. Um, just, just let everybody know that we'll have extra. Okay. Okay. All right. 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 So just kind of judge everything. Okay. 
Exactly, yeah. But it's going to be a busy weekend up here for sure. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people through. Amen. Well, if y'all want to get out here at a decent time, we better get to the service. Amen. All right. <laughs> Do it. No, let's 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 go to the Lord in prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Number 72, My Savior's Love for Me. We're going to sing all of them but the third one. We're going to skip the third. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own. Griefs but sweat drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Verse 4, he took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see. T'will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous. How wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Never been loved like that. Amen. Never been loved like my Savior's loved me. 113. 113. 
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And what a thrill it is to know that's true. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Do you have a story? Do you have a story and a song? Amen. You say, well, I don't know if I do. Well, you need to ask yourself why not if you don't. Amen. Because God gave us, he put a song in my heart. Amen. He gave me a story to tell of his magnificent love. Number 137, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Through death into life everlasting, he passed and we follow him there. For us in no more hath no minion, for more than conquerors we are. Turn your eyes upon 
Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Amen. We need to look at him. Oh, what's his name? I think we can do that. Yeah, my 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 youngest boy is turning sixteen tomorrow. Okay, that don't mean he's gonna jump behind the wheel of a car tomorrow either. So don't. But we're gonna sing to him. So stand up, son. Stand up. Stand up. He there's nothing he loves more than being made a big deal out of. So stand up, red boy. I see you red. You red as your shirt. Stand up. They see you now. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. All right. Well, praise God. I'm thankful God let him live this long. I really am. Amen. I'm glad I didn't take him out when he was younger, praise God. <laughs> no, he's been a he's a good boy and I thank God for him. You know, we just sang that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And that leads me right into this one I want to sing for a preach. What'll happen when you turn your eyes on him? Cheer the heart like Jesus by his presence, all divine, true and tender, pure and precious. Oh, how blessed to call him mine! All that thrills my soul is. He is more than life to me And the fairest of ten thousand In my blessed Lord I see Love of Christ so freely given Grace God beyond degree. Mer- 
higher than the heaven, deeper than the deepest sea. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand In my blessed Lord I see What a wonderful redemption Never can a mortal know How my sin like crimson can be whiter than the snow all that thrills my soul is Jesus he is more than life to me and the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see By the crystal flowing river With the ransomed I will sing And forever and forever Praise and glorify my all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see. Amen. When you turn your eyes on Jesus, you'll find out he's all you needed. Amen. He's all that thrills your soul. Amen. There ain't nothing down on this earth that's ever done for me what my Savior has done. There is nothing I have ever experienced. And I'm going to tell you, I was a foolish kid. I was a foolish teenager. I was foolish in my 20s. And I tried a lot of things that I thought would make me feel good. But I can tell you, ain't nothing made me feel like Jesus has. Amen. There ain't nothing out there that compares to the love of my Savior. All right, let's get into the Bible. We got we got thirty minutes to twelve. Now that don't mean a whole lot to me. But that might mean something to you, but that don't mean a whole lot to me. But uh, well, I'm going to share with you this morning, since you called me that. Now he 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 sashayed and dosy dote all over my sermon this morning. I didn't say nothing to him, but. But uh, anyway, so we've only got three points this morning. We've only got one scripture verse today. Doesn't that excite you? Amen. One. That's it. Just one. Three points. It'll take us an hour. Not quite. But anyway, John chapter 17 this morning. Turn your Bible there if you would, please. And we were there last week. We began talking about the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Lord's Prayer. Okay, you've been told the Lord's Prayer 
is our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've, you've been told that's the Lord's prayer. But that's not the Lord's prayer. The Lord never prayed, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus didn't have to worry about that. Jesus was perfect in all his ways. Amen. Jesus never prayed that prayer. His disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Right? So that was the disciples' prayer. That wasn't the Lord's prayer at all. If you want to know what the Lord's prayer is, this is the Lord's prayer. Amen? So thank God for this prayer. Amen? And there's so much here. I, I, I actually tapped the brakes because last week I decided I was going too fast. And uh, and I know we're all just waiting on the Lord to come back. We're all just waiting to go to heaven. So seeing as how all that, we're just waiting on that anyway, we might as well just get all we can get out of this. Amen? I, I, it's sipping it versus chugging it. Let's don't chug it. Let's take it by sip by sip. Amen. All right. So let's get into the Bible this morning. John chapter 17. Again, Jesus' disciples, they left the upper room. They washed the disciples' feet. They walked down the stairs. They walked out into the city. They walked down to the south part of the city. They walked out the gate. They're outside the city. They go and they, they start up the Valley of Kidron on the, on the, on the, uh, on the uh, I would say, on the western side of it. And uh, they head up the, the uh, Kidron Valley up to, toward the Garden of Gethsemane. It's in the moonlight along this dirt path that Jesus stops with his disciples after he finishes all that he said to them in chapter 14, 15, and 16, reassuring them, doing his best to impart to them words of wisdom that will help them once he's not with them in their company anymore. And, and he's almost to the garden where he knows he'll pray one last time. He knows this ahead of time. He's God. He knows he's going to pray, and then he's going to be taken into custody. So this is his last moments with his disciples. He's praying with everything in him to the Father for their help. He's praying, he's praying for himself, but he's also praying for them. And we already covered his uh, introduction to this prayer last week. So we'll pro- we'll read, we're going to read down through verse 6 because we went through verses 1 through 5 last week. We're going to look at verse 6 today. So let's read down through verse 6 in this prayer. Beginning in chapter 17, verse 1, the Bible says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes toward heaven. He didn't bow his head to pray. He lifted up his eyes toward heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. That's what we talked about last week. He'd been waiting ever since he came into the world for that moment. He wasn't shrinking back in fear. He wasn't dreading. He was looking forward to the other side of Calvary. He looked forward to being glorified. He looked forward to the Father being glorified. And he looked forward to us glorifying him. He looked forward to his glory being presented in us. He looked forward to the glory which was to come. The whole thing was meant for the glory of God. The whole thing in him, in the Father, and in us is meant for the glory of God. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. There's not enough glorifying going on. In this day and time we live in, people are not glorifying God the way they used to. 
People are not glorifying God much. We need to glorify God. We uh, listen. How you say? How do I glorify God? You praise Him. You worship Him. You you exalt Him. You you speak of his, of His great and mighty works. You speak of His great love and His great mercy and His great tenderness and His great compassion and His great long suffering and the joy that He's given you. You speak of those things and you glor- You do it with the life you lead by walking in His Scripture, keeping His word, and obeying Him. That's how we glorify God. Now. I'm not going to preach last week's sermon, so let's get on through it, all right? As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Again, There is not one single prophecy regarding the Lord Jesus Christ that he did not fulfill. He did everything that the Father required of him. There is no mistaking that he is the Messiah. He fulfilled it all. So he was able to come to the Father and say, Father, I have done it all. I have fulfilled the law. I am the sacrifice. I, here I am. I'm ready to be offered, as Paul said. It, I'm, I'm offering myself and say, Lord, it's all in your hands. He's about to pray shortly, not my will, but thine be done. He was saying that, in essence, ahead of time here. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee. Before the world was, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, our heart's desire is that you might reveal yourself to us, Manifest your presence here by the way of your spirit through the word of God in power. Breathe on me, Lord, I pray. I pray you'd empty me of myself. Lord, fill me with all of you. Lord, I pray you'd pour that out for these people. Use me. I want to be used of you, Lord. Let me be an instrument in your hand. Use me to work in lives, hearts, and boys and girls, men and women. Lord, not just in this room. Lord, but across our world where people are listening in. Father, I plead with you to use me for your glory. Lord, use the word. Refresh my mind. Help me, Lord, to be sharp in in, in remembering things. Father, I pray, Lord, you give them a, a clear mind. Lord, direct them away from distractions and give them a mind and a heart that wants to receive from you today. And I'll thank you ahead of time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Give me just one second and we'll get going here. All right. So he said in verse 6, and again, we're only going to look at verse 6. He said, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now, it seems odd to turn there, but I want you to turn, I'll keep your place there, but I want you to turn over to Job. 
right before Psalms, once you turn to Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. All right. So Job has been talking to his friends about the affliction that he had suffered. And one of his friends, Bildad, tested in essence, Job, you just get right with God and everything will be okay. And I'm not going to read all of chapter 9, of course, because we don't have time. But let me just read down just a little bit of this. Verse 27 following If I say I will forget my complaint I will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself I am afraid of all my sorrows I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent If I be wicked Why then labor I in vain If I wash myself with snow water And make my hands never so clean Yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch And mine own clothes shall abhor me For he is not a man as I am They talking about God He's not a man as I am that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. Look at at verse 33. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that he might lay his hand on us both. Now, that daysman, that's an intercessor, a mediator. And Job saw the necessity of having an intercessor. He said, God's holy, I'm not. God's righteous, I'm not. I can't stand up to God. I can't say to God, hey God, let's cut, let's deal with this together. I mean, come talk to me, we'll figure this out. I can't do that. I can sit and talk to you, Bill Dad, but I can't talk to God that way. I need a mediator. And beginning in verse 6 in our scripture this morning, we see Jesus fulfilling that role. For us, in chapter thirteen, we, which was a long time ago, we read how he he girded himself together with a towel and he washed the feet of his disciples. Okay, now we see him out in the street again, or out on outside the city, wherever he was at at that point in time. Again, standing under the moonlight, his his eleven disciples gathered around him, his eyes lifted up toward heaven, praying. One hand on them, one hand on the Father. Here he is representing representing to them, them to the Father, being what's, what, he, what Job called a daysman. I want you to understand how much love is, is, is demonstrated in this scripture. I want, you to, I want you to see Christ's heart. If I can do anything... That's what I really want you to see. I want you to see in, in all of this the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the very true heart of God. And and listen, we need to see I mean we really need to examine this kind of this love that he had. I mean, they were they were in they were they were very, very, very distressed at that moment. I, I want you to realize they were very distressed. But yet here he is. Trying to comfort, trying to give them assurance, trying to help them to understand. But let's get into it because we don't have long this morning, so I'm going to try to be brief as I can today. 
But we're going to look at three things. Number one in our text, he said, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Jesus saying, I revealed your name to these disciples. I have revealed you to them. You know, God's name is Jehovah. Well, actually, the name of God is Jehovah, but that's not God's name. Okay? God is, God is not a name. I, oh, let, me, let me rephrase that. God's name is Jehovah, but God is not a name. I got that tangled up what I was trying to say. God is not a name. God is who he is. It's a designation to say we're talking to God, but you're not calling him by name. You're saying that's who you are. You can call him Lord, but calling him Lord ain't his name either. No, it's a title. Jesus bore the name of God. Jehoshua. You know, the, the word Joseph, I'm sorry, the name Joshua rather, the name Joshua uh, in Hebrew, when you translate that to Greek, you come up with Jesus. Okay? Jesus Christ, he's bearing the name of God. Amen? Jehovah is salvation. That's, that's, what, that's what Jehoshua means. It means God, Jehovah is salvation. Jesus is the literal manifestation of God to man. So what did Jesus mean when he had manifested the name of God to the disciples? I want us to look at that for a minute. When, he, when the Lord met with Moses on Mount Sinai, we read this in, in, in Exodus 34, 5. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of, and upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So he just said, he, 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 he descended, he proclaimed the name of the Lord. What did he say? Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. All right, to manifest his name is to manifest God's character. And isn't that what Jesus did? He came to earth and he revealed to man the very essence, the very character of God. Well, how did he do that? Well, he manifested the name of God by showing mercy and grace. Christ did that constantly. He constantly demonstrated mercy and grace. You take, for example, the Samaritan woman. The Bible said, and, and he must needs go through Samaria. Okay? That was 30-something miles out of the way. He couldn't just hop in an Uber and ride down there. Okay? They wasn't a camel service going to carry it. He walked. Anybody in here walked 30 miles? Long way, ain't it, brother? You walking through sand? <laughs> That's a whole different matter, 30 miles through sand. And y'all ever walked down a beach, y'all know how hard that is. Christ walked 30 miles to meet with a woman that nobody else wanted to fool with. A woman, matter of fact, everybody avoided. 
Matter of fact, everybody couldn't stand her. She had a terrible reputation. She was, and she was a horrible, horrible example of a human being in that town. And yet Jesus went out of his way to show her God's mercy and God's grace. And what did he do? He gave to her salvation at Jacob's well, at Sychar's well there. He gave her salvation. Amen. He said, he said, if you knew who it was who spoke with you, you'd ask him and he'd give you living water. Okay? And what'd she do? She ran into town and she told everybody. I can just see her running down the street, banging on, banging on doors, saying, come here, see a man who told me everything I ever did. So we, have to, we have to forgive her for exaggerating. She was an excited female. Amen. She was <laughs> just playing with y'all. Amen. No, she was she was she was she exaggerated a little bit. He didn't tell her everything she ever did, but what she meant by that is he knows everything I ever did. Right? But he showed her mercy, even though he knew everything she ever did. Amen. He showed her grace, even though he knew everything she ever did. That's the character of God. God is a forgiving God. God is a merciful God. What else, how else did he manifest God's name by showing mercy and grace? Well, there was a woman taking an act of adultery. Remember, the leaders brought her in. The Pharisees had brought her in. They, they had caught him in the very act, and they brought this woman in and basically flung her there in front of Jesus and said, look at her. We know what Moses says in the Scriptures about it. This woman ought to be stoned to death. That's what Jesus did. Writing in the dirt. Writing in the dirt. Uh, we don't know what he wrote. Don't know what he wrote, but I can tell you this. He kept writing in the dirt, and pretty soon everybody that was accusing her went out the door. You know what I believe? I believe the man who was involved was there in the group. I really do. I can't prove that, but I really do. But you know what? The Lord didn't let all of them and all their questions and all their... They were just... They just set a trap for Jesus is all they did. And Jesus just untrapped himself because he's God. And he's wiser than the wisest of men. Amen? I can tell you right now, let me, let me set your heart at ease a minute. He's craftier than the Democratic National Convention. Amen. He's craftier than every think tank in Washington, D.C. He's craftier than the Bilderberg uh, uh, dudes in, in, in Europe. He's craftier than the Illuminati, if you believe in that. He's craftier than the Club of Rome. He's craftier than the, craftier than the Trilateral Convention. He's craftier than the Council on Foreign Relations. He's craftier than all of them. He's wiser than all of them. They, listen, they work for Satan. He, he's, he is wiser than all of them. God is. Amen. Amen. They probably take me off the air for saying that. But anyway, <laughs> woman taking an act of adultery, God, Christ showed God's mercy, showed God's grace. What about the woman who came in in Luke seven when he was at the office? Uh, he was. At, he was. Uh, wait. Let me. Let me. Let me turn there. Let me turn there. I want to I make sure I got that right. He was at Simon's house. I'm trying to remember which Simon it was. Luke seven. Luke seven thirty six through fifty. We'll read it. We got time. All right, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears. This is not Mary in Simon the leper's house right before his right before his uh, uh, going in the triumphal, triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This is a whole different matter before that. All right? And kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she's a sinner. 
And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. And Jesus went on to uh, use the illustration of the, the, the debtor who owed a little, uh, I mean, who owed a lot, and then and he was forgiven the debt, and then he went out and found somebody that owed him just a little bit, and he made his life miserable. Jesus brought that to the, this man's attention. He said, he said, well, let me just read what he said. I, I'm, instead of paraphrasing, he says, "Seest this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. She, thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, my head with oil. Thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which were many, are forgiven, for she loved much." But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. To whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. But to the one who's forgiven much, the same loveth much. And this woman had been forgiven much. She was a wicked sinner, and she had been forgiven. Therefore, she poured her heart out. She gave him everything. It was a demonstration of the mercy and grace of God right there in the middle of religious persecutors who wanted him caught and hung or, or crucified, dead, whatever, however they could kill him. Probably not hung. I don't think they were hanging anybody back then. They probably they wanted to push him off a cliff at one time. They would have killed him in any way, in any shape, form, or fashion they could have. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. But Jesus, what did he do? No fear, not, nothing. Just doing God's will everywhere he was. Why? Because he knew he came from God and he was doing God's will. And you know what? When you know that you're in God's will, doing God's will, you don't have to fear anything. Amen. There ain't a safer place in the world for a child of God to be than right in God's hand. Amen. This world can do what it wants to. It can blow and go, but it can't do nothing to a child of God in God's hand unless God wants it to happen. Amen. All right. So he came and he manifested the name of God by showing mercy and grace. He manifested the name of God in his long suffering. Time and time again, Jesus had to correct his disciples. Why? What did he say to him over and over again? Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt me? Oh, ye of little faith. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't give up on them. He corrected them, but he didn't give up on them. Let me ask you a question. I wonder how many times Jesus has been trying to correct us for our lack of faith. Has he ever tried to correct you for your lack of faith? I mean, I wonder, is he still trying to correct us for our lack of faith in certain areas of our life? Because I can tell you right now, God wants us to have faith. Jesus said, have faith in God. He wants us to trust him that he will never make a mistake regarding you and I. I mean, think about that. And I've said that before, but I'm going to say it again. If God ever said, whoops, uh-oh, this whole shooting match would just dissolve, this existence we live in. It would fall apart, and we'd all be gone because that would mean God wasn't perfect. God doesn't make mistakes. His way's perfect. He never makes an error. Therefore, your whole life's planned out. Therefore, you can rest in that. God is not going to get tired of you and give up. He which has begun a good work in you, hey, he'll complete it. He'll go, he's going to do it. Until the Lord Jesus comes back, he's going to keep working until you're in his hands. Fourthly on this, let me say, and I saw I said three points. These are sub-points, by the way. Number four, he, he manifested the name of God. Why? Through 
showing an abundance of goodness and truth. Psalm thirty-one, nineteen. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear them, fear thee rather, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. God has an abundance of goodness. God wants to pour his goodness out on his people. God doesn't want to give you something bad. God doesn't want to give you something loud. God wants to give you goodness. God wants to put his goodness in you. He wants his goodness to flow through your life. He wants to put his truth in you. He wants his truth to come forth from your lips, to come forth from the, from the, the walk of your feet, from the work of your hands. God wants goodness and truth in you. Why? You're his child. We just sang happy birthday to my 16-year-old back there. I have a, I, I mean, I can't direct everything about his life, but you know what? I have a plan. I want to see him become something. I want to see him become a godly man. I want to see him grow up and be a good husband. I want to see him grow up and be a good daddy. I want to see him grow up and be a good brother and a good friend. I, I can't steer his whole life, but I have, I have a plan for what I want to see him become. God has a plan for you, what God wants you to become. God will steer your life. God, uh, he's not, I mean, we're just, we're just a shadow of what he does in our life. I got to hurry. How did he manifest the name of, of God? He was manifested in Jesus in the forgiveness of sins. And they brought a man to him who was stricken with palsy. What did he say? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. There was a woman, that woman who came to him and washed his feet with her tears. What did he say to her? He said, your sins are forgiven. Can't nobody else forgive your sins. Can't nobody else change anything about it. It's only God. And Christ manifested the person, he manifested the character of God. In the prophecy of Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two, concerning the Messiah, it declares, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. It's referring to Christ coming to the Jews. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In John 1, 1, the Bible, uh, I'm sorry, in 1 John 1, 1, no man hath seen God, in any time, the only begotten Son was in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared Him. The only begotten Son hath declared God the Father. He has manifested to us who God is. In John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh. This Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus revealed the Father. Hebrews says of Jesus that he was the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. That's why Jesus said to Philip, Philip, have, have I been so long a time with you and have you not seen me? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. He that hath seen me has seen the Father. That's why Jesus said, I have manifested 
thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. To those that you gave me out of this world, Father, I have showed them you. Now, Grant kind of got into it during Sunday school a little bit, but I'm gonna, and I talked about it last Sunday morning again, but I'm going to touch on it again because Jesus keeps touching on it. And that's the only reason I am. And again, we talk about Calvinist, hyper-Calvinist, what all, again, I made, my, I made my position clear on it. I am not, a, I'm not what you would call a Calvinist. I'm not what you'd call a hyper-Calvinist. I'm on the very, very low end of the spectrum. Again, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe also in the free will of man. And I believe that in the middle of it is where we pass. But there is the truth of divine election here. Jesus speaks about it over and over and over to those that the Father had given him. In John six thirty seven, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He said, I came to manifest your name to those you have given me. All that you give me, Father, I will in no wise cast out. How did the Father give them to him? By the drawing of the Spirit, by the revealing in the heart of the lost condition. The Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and lays it down next to our dirty heart. And we see the holiness and the righteousness and the purity of Almighty God next to our unrighteousness. And we realize that these two are not compatible. That we cannot live up to his righteousness. As Job was saying, there's no way. I'm not like him. He's so far above me. But there's a daysman who came and revealed the Father. John six thirty nine. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, that I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. He's not going to lose a single one. There ain't anybody who's saved who's ever going to hell. I'm telling you, not a single one who's been born again, who's been born in the Spirit, who will ever lose salvation. If it were possible, I'd already be in hell. There ain't a single one of us that can lose our salvation because we didn't earn it. You didn't buy it. You didn't even get it. He gave it to you. All you did was take it out of his hands. You didn't say, I need this. I'm going after that. No, he came to you and said, this is what you need. I I need it. I said, I found Jesus. No, you didn't, you dummy. He found you. Ain't no sheep ever run up and say, oh, there's a shepherd. Oh, thank God, I've been looking for one. Sheep are stupid. They don't know where to look. Why do you think we call people lost? Because they don't know where to go. You ever been lost before trying to find something? It's confusing. Matter of fact, if you're really late to get there, it's very frustrating and, and, and sometimes it's anxiety-filled. Well, imagine when you come to the end of life and you realize there is no rest for your soul. 
John 6, 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. That right there ought to be preached over and over and over and over from every pulpit. Amen? And I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't, a, there, ain't, there ain't no point in somebody having somebody pray a sinner's prayer unless they understand that fully. You making a twofold child of hell by getting somebody to pray words when there's no Holy Spirit conviction. And let me just say that I know I didn't, you didn't ask for this, and I'm, I ain't going to charge you no extra for it, but I'm going to tell you something. Anybody who deals with somebody, any child of God who deals with somebody about salvation and does not have the wherewithal, the discernment to tell whether somebody's under conviction or not, ain't got no business dealing with somebody. I mean that. Because you'll sit there and convince them they're saved when they're as lost as they can be because they haven't seen it. They haven't repented. They haven't come to the end of themselves and realized they need God. But anyway, the truth and divine election. Again, it's repeated in verses 9 in our scripture. He said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. He says it again in verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. I come to thee, Holy Father, keeping, uh, keeping through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. In verse 24, he says it again. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me. Now, if Christ says this over and over and over and over and over and over, we need to get that through our heads. Now, does that take responsibility off of us that we're not supposed to go to them and tell them? No. Can I just share something with you? I have a very good friend. He's a missionary to Belize, and he's what you'd call a Calvinist. Okay? He, he believes, he believes in, in, in all that total total depravity and limited atonement. I mean, he, he believes it to a certain degree. And he and I have sat and argued over it. But you know what? You know why I don't worry about it too much? Because he goes out and he goes soul winning. He goes into the prison and he preaches the gospel. He preaches the gospel to these men. He tells them how to be saved. He, he, he labors in it. He treats everybody as everybody needs to be saved because everybody needs to be saved. You know what he told me? I don't know who's elect. I don't know who ain't elect. You don't know, and nobody knows, so we need to go out to all of them. I'll, I'll follow somebody like that. Amen? Somebody sits on their blessed assurance and don't ever say nothing to anybody. Say, well, they just chose, those that are chosen to get saved. I ain't following nothing like that. Go in all the world and preach the gospel. Anyway, let me get back to it. In John 15, Jesus said to his disciples, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. I equipped you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should, should, be, should remain. Peter speaks of the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. We talked about foreknowledge last week. We talked about what that means. That, yes... God knows. He knew before the world began. He created this world, and, and, and everything was in the mind of God before he ever created it. I mean, that's why the Bible said Christ is he's the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. In God's mind, it's all already happened. God lives in the eternal now. Time does not constrict God in any way. God reaches into time. It's a creation of his. I don't know if y'all, any, y'all ever been to Tiny Town, USA, in Hot Springs, Arkansas? Y'all ever seen that? Some of you have. Man created a whole huge room full of train tracks and little people. It's, he made it all. It's all mechanical works underneath the table, and all these little people move, and all this stuff happens. 
That's not a real world, but this man reaches into it and does what he wants. That's the way God works in this world. And he's seen it all from the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end because it's all a thing in front of him. And so every single person that ever gets saved, it was already in front of him before he ever made it. He knew what would happen. He knows how everything plays out. So when God, when the Bible speaks about the foreknowledge of God, all it's talking about is that God knew ahead of time who would trust him and who wouldn't. I mean, it's not a secret. It's not anything spooky. It's just that's the way it works. God's out there. We're down here. God, God's, God created this. God reaches into it and deals with man. <clears throat> but you know what my greatest problem is concerning this divine election business? Why did God choose me? Why would he choose me? I'm not any good. There's nothing about me any good. There's not anything about me that would make God say, well, I'm going to save him. What's good about me? The only thing about me that God saw was that when presented with my sinful condition and his righteousness that I would choose his righteousness that I would believe on his righteousness as the cure for my sinful condition that I would look upon him and his love and I would receive it that's the only thing that God saw that uh, listen and it's praise and glory to the grace of God in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's nothing of me. I had nothing to do with it. All I did was get under conviction. Uh, one night back in November the 1st of 1975, I got under conviction, I'm telling you. I knew I was lost. I could hear the flames roaring in my head. I knew I was going to hell. And I was terrified. This little old seven-year-old boy standing there in his pajamas, brushing his teeth, terrified. And I walked out of that room and walked, took a right and walked into my bedroom and Mama was sitting on my bed. And I said to her, Mama, if I died, would I go to hell? And Mama said, do you know you're a sinner? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And she said, then you would. I'm glad Mama didn't try to sugarcoat everything for me. I'm going to tell you something. Don't you ever sugarcoat it for your kids? So when they're not old enough yet, you lie to them, they'll never get it. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. They need the Savior. Listen, election, doctor, I'm not, I'm not going to argue over it, but you know what? I'd just rather rejoice in it. I'd just rather rejoice that I'm saved. Amen? Of all that are in the world, God chose me. I don't know why. Again, I don't know why. But he chose me. He, he, he chose me out of the world. He chose me out of it. He didn't choose me to just be the same as I was. He chose me because he wanted to change me. He wanted me to be in the image of his son. That's why he chose you. He wants you to be in the image of his son. So it should follow then that I should not live for the world anymore, but for him who called me out of the world. We know the scripture, but I'm going to read it anyway. First John two fifteen through 17, he said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God liveth forever. He abideth forever, amen. 
God wants us out of this world. He does not, not, I mean, we can't come out of it. We can't li- get out of it because we're here. But we don't have to be a part of it. Somebody said a boat is safe in the ocean as long as the ocean's not in the boat. And a Christian is safe in the world as long as the world is not in the Christian. What happens if the water gets in the boat? The boat sinks. What happens if the world gets into the Christian? The Christian sinks. He said, I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. One more. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Thine they were, and you have thou hast given them to me, and they have kept thy word. So we're the fathers. We're declared to be the fathers. Hey, thine they were. Our bodies are declared to be the temples of the Holy Spirit of God. The Word of God declares that. We are not our own. You don't belong to you. I know you think you do. I'm mine. This is my hand, my other hand, my foot, my other foot, my head. This is my shirt, my pants. No, I'm me, I'm mine. No, you don't belong to you. God said so. Not your own. You're bought with a price. What was that price? What was the price paid for you? You're the most expensive things ever bought and paid for in the history of the world. Cost more to buy you than it cost to buy the finest ruby, the finest diamond, the biggest nugget of gold that's ever come out of the earth, the biggest, most expensive, most powerful machine, some semiconductor they built somewhere, some some super collider, don't care how much they spent on whatever, the biggest house, the biggest everything. You cost more than all of it put together because it cost the blood, the very life of God's Son, you're expensive. You're valuable. You ever think for one second, oh, no, I ain't worth nothing. Don't ever let that come out of your mouth. Don't ever say I ain't worth nothing. You're worth more than everything in the world because Christ laid his life down for you. Our, our body, while we're here on this earth, our body is the temple. If we're saved of the Holy Spirit, God lives in us. Glorify God. That's what Jesus said. He's saying, glorify me. I want to glorify you. And he's saying, I want to glorify them. We're to glorify, and they're going to glorify us. We are to work all together to glorify God. In our bodies, and our spirits, which belong to him. Psalm 100, verse 3 declares, Know ye not that the Lord, he is God, is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves? We're his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Romans 14, Paul said, For none of us live unto himself or die unto himself. Whether we live or we die, we're his. The Father has entrusted us into the care and keeping power of his son. Thou gavest them me, he said. 
or you gave them to me, Father. Romans eight thirty five through 39. Listen, we're almost done. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? Shall distress separate us from the love of Christ? Shall persecution separate us from the love of Christ? What about if there ain't no food left? Will, will famine separate us from the love of Christ? What, what, what if we get so poor we can't even afford clothes to put on? Will that separate us from the love of Christ? When troubles come, will that separate us from the love of Christ? If they say we're going to kill you, will that separate us from the love of Christ? No. As it's written, for thy sake, we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul said, nay, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Conquerors are winners. Conquerors end up on, on top. Conquerors have a, have a mark in the victory column. And God says, you're more than that. You're more than a winner. I don't know how you can be more than a winner. I guess we're overall grand champion. I don't know. We're more than a we, we're We're all together better than anything you've, any winner you've ever seen. That's what God says. I don't have to understand it. I just believe it. He said, for I'm persuaded. Ain't no doubt in my mind. You can't talk me out of it. Neither life, death nor life, whether I die, whether I live, nor angels, nor principalities and powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Angels, devils, doesn't make no difference what was here yesterday, what will be here tomorrow nor heights or depth. You can't take me high enough to get me away from God. You can't dig a hole low enough to get me away from God. Nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That you have given them to me, Jesus said. Father, you gave them to me. He ain't going to let you down. He ain't going to lose you. He ain't going to drop you. Well, my very favorite passage of Scripture in the whole Word of God, John 10, 27 through 30, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me. There it is. It's greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I have manifested thy name. Amen. Hey, I'm the express image of the Father, he said. Express image of his person. And the last statement he made, and they have kept thy word. You know that word kept? You know, hear what it means? It means they have stayed with your word. They haven't left your word. They've stuck by it. Even though all those things that Paul mentioned may have come their way, they didn't abandon ship when it got difficult to serve God. I see people on Facebook all the time posting things about, you say you'll go to prison for the Lord. You won't even come to church right now. There's lots of people say they'll do a lot of things for God, and yet they're sitting at home this morning. They ain't been to church in who knows how long because they're scared. Look here, they're scared of something they can't see, and they forget there's a God in heaven. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on nobody this morning, but I'm just going to say this because it's on my heart, and I'm going to say it. Amen? Let me tell you something. People better get a whole lot more scared about something else they can't see. It's called sin. Amen? And you know what? It, it'll get them, too. There ain't, it, it has a guaranteed mortality rate. And there ain't but one cure. And it ain't hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. Amen? Let me tell you something. It's the blood of Jesus, and that's it. And there's a whole lot more people running around worrying about, worrying about, worrying about, and I'm not picking on anybody wearing a mask or nothing like that, but they're worrying more about putting a mask on, which may or may not help, than they are going to the one who has the, is the source of all their help. And God has stripped away so many things from our life to make us stop and think He is all that's important. Whether the Dallas Cowboys ever kick another football off or not, whether the, listen, whether there's ever a World Series or not, whether there's ever another NBA champion or not, who cares when it really comes down to it? What matters is our souls. He said, they've kept thy word. Listen, me and you better keep the word. We better stick by it. Jesus bragged on the, the faithful church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelations. He, he, he bragged on them. Why? Because they had kept the word of his patience. They stuck by him. In persecution, they stuck with the Lord. These disciples, Jesus was about to, he was about to depart. They were about to endure tribulation. They were about to go through trials. And he's trying to emphasize to them, don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't stop following me. Don't forget what I have showed you. I have showed you the Father. Don't stop. I don't know what this world holds for you and I, and you don't know either. We don't know what's going to happen here in a few months when we have an election. It could, listen, it could, it could stay the same, or it could just take a nosedive into the toilet. We don't know what could happen. We really don't. We have enemies all over the world. We are the last bastion of freedom in the world. We are the last place of religious freedom in the world. I tell you right now, if we don't stay with what brought us, we are in trouble. But even if all that trouble falls upon us, God will not leave us. If all the trouble comes upon us, can I tell you something this morning? Pastor Jack Treber from the North, the North Baptist Church in California, I can't remember what... I can't remember, the, I think it's North Baptist Church, but they're out in California. He's a, he's a big-name pastor. A lot of preachers I know go out there to his church uh, and preach for him. Governor Gavin Newsom of California, who's a sodomite, Ken to Nancy Pelosi, I think it's her nephew, if I ain't mistaken, he had them go to that church and put on the door his edict that if they have church today, that Pastor Treber will be locked up. Now, as far as I know, Jack Treber's probably in jail right now. But you know what? He went right down there to have church this morning. That's in America. They're telling people they can't have church in America. That we'll arrest you, preacher, if you go down there to have church. That's happening in America. Y'all never dreamed that kind of mess that happened in your lifetime. Over what? Something with a... 0.04 mortality rate? It's less than the flu? 
I mean, come on, folks. Somebody, somebody's pulling something over our eyes. They're trying to usher in the new world order. They want to get rid of Christians. They want to bring in, I mean, they want to turn the pedophiles loose. They want to turn it all loose. We're living right there at the door. This book's revealing itself. It's all coming true before our eyes. This is, this is, this is the serious get with it. I mean, get in there and hold to the rigging time. I'm telling you right now, we've been talking about this stuff for decades. We have come down to it where you're going to find out whether or not you believe this book or not. Jesus said they kept our word. They kept it. James says, be ye doers, doers, doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Doers of the word. James 4, 17, he said, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So we are to be... Listen... To stay with your word means to say, you know what, this is my road map. I'm not going to throw the road map. Hey, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of men do a lot of foolish things. We go down the road, we think we know where we're going. We, I don't need a map. I don't need that GPS. I'll figure this out. We end up in trouble, don't we, sometimes? Ladies here know what I'm talking about. Amen? Well, I'm going to tell you, we better not abandon the road map. Stay with it. Stay with it. God ain't going to leave you, let you down. God ain't going to leave you. I'm circling the field. I got the landing gear down. Hang on. Hold with me. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father and will love him and manifest myself unto him. Jesus said, I want to reveal myself to you. I want, I, I, we, we want to have a continual feast. We want, we want it to be a continual love feast. Stay with me. Stay with my word. Keep walking. Put one foot in front of the other. Hold my hand. Trust me. Trust me. I know the way. John 14, 24. I'm closing with this, with this verse. If a man love me, can I ask you something? Do you love him? Do you really love him? If a man loveth me, he will keep my word. You say the disciples, they some of them messed up. They did. They got back up. They kept going. Peter, lovest thou me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, lovest thou me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, lovest thou me? Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Feed my life. Keep my word. Keep my word. He went through a trial of his soul. He just said, I quit. I give up. He went back to the fishing boat. He was naked out there fishing, drawing nets in and took his clothes off. He didn't care about what was moral or right or anything. He was he had just totally given up. But Jesus didn't give up. Jesus didn't see it as over. You may have given up too. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. But I can tell you this don't give up. Hang on. Keep up. Keep his word. He ain't going to leave you. He'll, he'll pray for you. Let me tell you something. You may find yourself in some kind of deep struggle, but I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is there with his hand on you, and he's got his hand on the Father, and he's interceding on your behalf. He's your daysman. What I'm going to urge you to do this morning, as we stand our feet, if you've got a burden on your heart, 
that you don't know how to deal with. I'm going to tell you something. This morning, right now, while it's fresh on your mind, why don't you go to your daysman and say, please, put your hand on me and put your hand on the Father and take this to him for me. We've got burdens that are bigger than we can carry. We've got burdens that are too heavy for us. We've got, we got troubles before us and we don't know how to deal with them. We've got confusion in our life. We need to go to our daysman, our intercessor, and say, Jesus, direct my path. Jesus, give me wisdom. Jesus, comfort me. Jesus, help me. Guide me. Direct my life. I'm not going to leave you, path. I'm staying with you. I know you called me. I know you bought me. I know I belong to you. I know you'll never leave me. Guide me. Guide me. If we'll do that, I promise you he will. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message this morning. Lord, I ask you now that you might work during this invitation. Father, if there's someone here today, Lord, that needs to come, and, and Lord, just lay it down at your altar and, and ask, Lord, for you to take, take their hand and, and direct them through this life. Father, I pray, Lord, that they do that. Lord, I just pray that whatever the need is this morning, Lord, that they'd come and do business with you at this altar. Father, just pray. For thy will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 401, only trust him. Only trust him. That's what he wants us to do. Put our eyes on him and trust him. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by Trusting in his word, only trust him, only trust him, only trust him. Now there's room for you too. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. For Jesus shed his precious blood. Has God been speaking to you this morning? Has he talked to your heart about something? Do business with him today. That wash is white as snow. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. Yes, Jesus is the truth, the way that leads you into rest. Believe in him without delay, and you are fully blessed. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. Amen. Come back and be with us again tonight at 6. We'll be back in the commandments of Christ. Look forward to seeing you tonight, and uh, let's have a good afternoon. Grant, dismiss us. Father, we come to you and want to thank you.
I won't be as long-winded tonight. <laughs> I'm not. I can keep that. Huh? Well, I know, but it was it was it was that late before I started? <laughs> I went I went ten minutes ten minutes later than I normally do. I only got one word to say about about your about your sermon today. What's that? Seemed like a thing to do at the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It seems like the thing to do it. Why, why did he choose you? I guess so. I guess so. Okay. All right. Yep. Yep. Sometimes God sometimes God draws a straight line with a crooked stick. That's all I can say. Huh? He's probably in the office. He was here. No, Byron's up there. Oh, okay. Well, I just missed him. Where's Dan? Dan is uh, going to see his kids. Yeah. Well, I'm going to Paris to see when I may or may not be. Okay. Well, we'll we'll hope you are. Okay. Well, be careful. Brother, God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know why he saved me either, but I'm sure glad he did. Yeah. He got a plan bigger than mine. No, I'm sure glad he did, though. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.